Welcome back for episode 28 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on April 27th, 2016 on Twitch.tv. A big shout out to the chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86 Alongside me, we have a man who has begun to be known for his music and has recently taken up the title of Errant Knight of the Lore, Justin Sane 0516. I'm right. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> Next up is the third member of our merry little band, the man who does not hide behind the mask as the speaker of Pan, Steeman Willie Beeman. I had myself muted that whole time, all by myself, Blue. <laughs> I told you I could do it. Pain be with you, children. The topic of today's chat is going to be a discussion on the traveler and the speaker. Before we get into that, however, I do just want to run through some quick notes. Our last chat covered the Vanguard Mentors. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats, as well as links to all our various other pages. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes or through our email, focusfirechat at gmail.com, to let us know how we're doing. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Wednesday at about 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Next week's chat will actually be our third Extra Lore episode, and we'll be discussing a basic introduction to Star Wars. With that all being said, let's go ahead and dive into what we know about the Traveler and the Speaker. Okay, not a lot. Done. Episode done. <laughs> That's it. Oh, oh, we want to actually. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, why don't we start actually with the uh, Traveler card from the Grimoire. Um, one of the few things we actually have on the Traveler that names it. Uh, everything changed with the coming of the Traveler. It gave us gifts that transformed the solar system and the nature of human life. It ushered in the Golden Age, a time of miracles, but it never shared its deepest secrets. Where did the Traveler come from? Why did it offer us so much? Did it know it was being hunted across the stars? And why, when the darkness came, did it choose to stay and fight for us? Now the Traveler hangs, silent, above humanity's final sanctuary. It may be healing. It may be dying. It gave everything it had to save us. And now its power lies with us. Its guardians. Uh-huh. I think it's a great question to ask. Why would it stay here and fight for us? Maybe because we it look wasn't at the past episodes. <laughs> well, you look at past episodes. It had it could have had the Elixir be guardians. It could have had the um the Isumin be guardians, which the Isumin they had to rely on dragon wishes from their bishops to try to mm -hmm. fight orcs, which they failed miserably. Um, and it, it's been so many other places before us, probably plenty we don't even know about. And here it came here. It 
tried to fight back in its dying breath. It made the ghost to hunt out dead people that could channel the light for uh, for a weapon. It's a great question to ask. Any thoughts? I have plenty of thoughts. <laughs> is it time for them? That's that question. <laughs> let's get spin foily. Let's do it. No. Well, no, I mean, um, let's because there's there's a lot. There's actually more grimoire to the traveler than well, assuming that you make a few minor something. Well, not minor, but make a few connections, namely with the Alpha yeah. Loopy cards. There's actually a lot of there's a lot of grimoire cards out there on it. Um, I'm going to get into that later. My biggest thing with the traveler and it, it's not that it's an issue that I like that I believe against it, but I, everyone, everyone attributes choice to the traveler and a kind of a thought process to it. I'm not so sure that that exists, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah. 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 I mean, I know. Yeah. Cause there's, there's, I mean, and there's a ton of different theories about, why I mean that that question is a super important question is why did it stop? Why did it choose and fight? Was it you know, there's the group that that says that Rasputin was the reason. There's the group that says that it just got tired. There's groups that, you know, like Penn's is saying in the chat, there comes a time when moral stand the moral stance becomes an immoral act and you can no longer stand by that. You know, don't let your morality get in the way of doing what is right. And so there's that stance. There's a lot of different theories as to, I mean, geez, there's a lot of different theories as to what exactly the darkness is, which we kind of, you know, we talked about that a little bit. So there's, as far as the, the question of why did it choose to stay and fight? I mean, Justin, you, you hit the nail on the head, you know, it's making the assumption that it chose to stay, that it wasn't pushed into staying, which, you know, the dreams of Alpha Lupe kind of hint at that too. You know, maybe there wasn't necessarily a a free choice on its part. You know, if it's even got a consciousness within it, it's you know, we have the the theory that Kashin sent us about it just being a big ship. You know, and then there's the theory the the chat talked about what if it's the equivalent of the dreadnought for the light. So I mean, there's there's a ton of different theories that spring out of the conversation of what the traveler is and why it does what it does. But yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty good introduction, I'd say. But, you know, with that being said, there's also another person and you'll, I mean, we, we kind of, you know, obviously allude to that in the title of the episode. There's, there's a, there's an individual that we all do know, whereas the Traveler doesn't have a voice in the current game. There is a person who does, and that person is the speaker. And I, I believe, Willie, you're going to bring that more card into play. So the speaker. There's always been a speaker, an anonymous high priest with a mysterious and powerful connection to the Traveler and its ghosts. In all the centuries of the city's history, the speaker's great work has never changed. To guide new guardians, heal the traveler, and raise our crippled protector from its slumber. And you want to talk about another controversial topic. <laughs> Here's the speaker. Here's the speaker. <laughs> if we didn't have enough controversy going on about the traveler, then you get the speaker. Who, I mean, 
Yeah, uh, I don't know. I can I I I sit on the fence with the speaker as far as whether or not he's a a good guy or a bad guy. The nature of his position gives way to being very fraught with the potential for being corrupt. Um and also the potential for being mistrusted. Right. Whether right. whether I mean, rightfully so or rightfully not. Rightfully so or not because the Anytime you have a position, and I'm trying to not relate this to any world religion, very, very, very no, careful. Why don't you go? Why don't you go? Uh, uh, like a Mayan or Aztec with it. The the shaman or yeah, high the priest. Sh- yeah, the high priest. Well, I mean, and he, it's just he would speak for a faceless. He would for speak for a faceless deity. god, right? That, and no one could confirm what he said, right? And he would literally be like, "Kill no. all these virgins." Yeah, no, <laughs> this is what he told me. And yeah. it's, I mean, you had that in Egypt too. I mean, most, most ancient religions and most religions, you're going to have a degree of that in some sense. Um, and that's, you know, where the, the faith yeah. piece comes from, which is where, you know, the whole St. 14 conversation about him being a saint and, you know, the, over the, the zealousness of his, um, his fealty to the speaker then there is also, you know, the whole conversation we had about, you know, why does Saint Fourteen call the speaker father? Is he actually his biological father, which would be weird because Saint was an exo, or is it that it's a title similar to, you know, like in the Catholic Church, how we we allude to priests as fathers, which is kind of where I personally kind of lean towards, is because the speaker is a very, I mean, he's even described as an anonymous high priest, like he is very. Spirit, not it's not spiritual, it's not religious, but he's very devout to this pseudo religion of the traveler, and because they see the traveler as a as a somewhat of a god, especially in this dystopian future where everything's kind of falling apart. Um, but yeah, it, it that position does lend itself to a lot of scrutiny. But well, apparently there's also a legend behind the speaker's mask. Yes, that we that I haven't really even know. read yet. I I want to know it too. Like it, it's so intriguing that they would talk about the, they they just briefly mention it in one grimoire card, and then after that you get nothing. It's like what the hell, man? Yeah i I know we've seen the speaker address the tower before, correct? Can y'all hear me? Yeah, 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 we yeah. Heard you. and um, yeah, we did once. We heard him at the end of Vanilla. Well, yeah, when we defeated the the Black Art. Yeah. So, but other than that, have we seen the speaker do much public speaking? Public speaking? No. But he has spoken through us. Or he's spoken I, I to us. Want, I want to see him pounding a pulpit. I, I want to see him. Like a call to arms. I want to see something. I want to see what his message is. That is what I would really like. No, Hollywood. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> as much as I want that to be true, Hollywood. Hollywood is saying in chat, no Chris's speaker confirmed. Oh, it would just make me make me laugh. But everyone's sad, got their speaker. Sadly, their speaker. <laughs> sadly I, I realize that that is a 50 on the pay in scale. Yeah. So, but speaking of the speaker, what are his main tools as far as 
getting information and sending information out. I'm so glad you asked. Just no. Um, that would that would definitely be the ghost, and it's it's kind of a it's it's a it's a dual control point i think for the ghosts it, i mean the ghosts were created by the traveler um and I'll, I'll read the grimoire card here in a second but they also are definitely used as communication tools by the guardians because we get we get command we get our patrols you know we get mission commands we get all the strike stuff all that information flows through our ghosts it's basically a very high-tech walkie-talkie that opens doors um so with that being said, the grimoire card for ghosts starts with a quote from the speaker, and it says, In its dying breath, the traveler created the ghosts to seek out those who can wield its light as a weapon, guardians to protect us, and do what the traveler itself no longer can. Built, and then, and then it goes into the, the actual card. It says, Built from machinery in the traveler's light, ghosts guide their guardian companions in the quest to reclaim our solar system. Every ghost seeks out its guardian among the ancient dead. The ghost serves as scout, librarian, and mechanic, waking ancient machinery and cracking alien codes. In the right situations, a ghost can even save a guardian from death. But ghosts are not immortal. As far as guardians know, every loss is irreplaceable. So, you know... This kind of goes back into a conversation that we had earlier in one of the earlier episodes about do do the ghosts have a one to one relationship with guardians? And I'm you know I know a lot of people a lot of people like kind of it's a lot of people like romanticizing the idea of a like a pseudo soulmate with the ghost and the guardian, and I really just I don't buy it. I don't think that's the case. I think that a ghost is purpose is to find an individual who is the most compatible to wield a weapon. It is not anything to do with compatibility with the individual ghost, but rather the ability to pick up a blade or pick up a gun and do and fight. The compatibility would require obviously certain components within either biological or psychological realm in that guardian to be either pliant to commands or you know susceptible to manipulation if you're going to go down that you know darker theory there but it's not that there is only one guardian for every one ghost we know that to not be true from our own ghosts because our own ghost has tried to wake up at least one other individual in the game that we know of. We talked about that, the pod 10, 10 um, And, you know, that was the one that we were kind of, most people joke about it being a Halo Easter egg. I'm actually kind of thinking that it's the musician who wrote the Ave Maria. More The more I think about it, it's kind of, it fits a lot. But the point is, is that he didn't, or yeah, he didn't, just you know zero in on us he actually asked more than one corpse to come back which is a whole nother theory you know that i I won't get into just yet but there's a there's a lot of theory about that kind of touches on what is the light and you know how does the traveler manifest that or generate that you know however you want to do but well, there's also that ghost on Mars too the that went ghost. there because yes, because he thought that you know, hey, 
you know, Clovis Bray had his some of the smartest people that lived here. So got to be someone here. And instead, the ghost ends up just spying on the cabal for us until it dies. So which, that ghost never found talk, anybody. And we did talk about that in chat, too, is that ghosts obviously cannot generate their own light. They have a repository that does actually decrease, which points again to light as an animating force. Um, it's a it's a pseudo physical force. You know, it's not purely physical uh, animation. It's not like electricity or an arc light. Uh, it, it is kind of a raw elemental. It's supernatural. I mean, it's a supernatural energy, is what it is. But it's not. Light, I still don't think light is the representation of a soul. I think it is the representation of an animating spiritual force. And the ghosts seem to house a a, a set amount, but it does decrease because the, like we you know, like the chat was talking about with that ghost on Mars, the light decreased and eventually the even the ghost started kind of fading we also have the ghost that the iraq found in the outer reaches of the, the solar system and he was like hey i hope you have enough light to to record this mission or to record this message and it did but and we that's that led to the ghost as being a passive recording device conversation too that we had which was a really interesting one as well but yeah i, I i'm just gonna i keep going back to I don't think the ghosts are a one-to-one relationship. I, I think that there's a many-to-one. I think the ghosts are universal. I hesitate to call them remote controls, but universal spark plugs, I guess, for the Guardians to wake them up. But but can we agree that once a bond has been made, once the the ghost has resurrected a Guardian and it becomes that Guardian's ghost that it it might not be that they are one to one, but there's definitely a bond made there that's not absolutely. I, well, no, we can't. I'm picking up what you're putting down. We can't. Hey, though. Have, Jaron Ward. Did, no, there's the no butt. truth. That Ward, that no, but it can't. No, it that, doesn't. That ghost gave him the last word. That's all that ghost has proven that it did. And then it became his ghost. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, but that bond was broken when Jaren right. died. So what I'm saying, so there, there is a bond between a ghost and a guardian. That that much I agree is undeniable. Yeah, I'm not but saying that, that is the, not the ghost a, will wither when the guardian dies. Right, they aren't okay. the same entity. They're not the same entity. But what I'm saying is, there, there's built in there. There's a there's hierarchy. A there's a there's connection. a connection that happens, and the ghost no, ceases to search, and it ceases to. To serve anyone else but its guardian once it kind of – and this is stuff I could have talked about if I hadn't missed the light and the darkness. So. No, 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 no. It's a, it's a good, it's a good point. Um, I just I – thought, I thought you were saying that once it founds a guardian, it you know can't move on. No, which, no. I'm not saying that at all. Right. Uh, no. Yeah. I, I'm saying I'm still going to argue that we haven't exactly seen a ghost move on. So we have. Like when it comes to no, we haven't. We have Jaron Ward. Um God, I wish I wasn't so damn sick right now. Okay. The owner dies, ghost goes, gives gun to future guardian. Shin. Shin Malfer. Yes. Okay, there we go. 
head back in the game. So um, let's go on the assumption that Dredgen Yor killed Jaren Ward. Mm-hmm. Jaren Ward's ghost then gives the last word to Shin Malfer, according to the cards, from what it seems. I think the I want to say that the last sentence in that card was, and then for the first time it spoke after scanning him. It, yeah, it scanned him. Just like that does it, it scanned but he's us. Not, it, 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 no, I know. God. Believe me, it makes Shin Malfer throws a huge, huge wrench into all the understanding of most guardians because he's not dead yet. Somehow he becomes a guardian. And granted, we don't know if he dies later and then is resurrected or what but he's not dead but he all of a sudden now has the capacity to summon a super which is the golden gun um he also is it's pretty pretty heavily implied that jaron ward's ghost sticks with shin malfer who which then also points to the fact that a ghost can transfer so that that whole thing is debunked and but the ghost, you would think that if it was there when Shin killed Dredgen, it would have said something. Or they would have said something about it having some kind of reaction. So I think it's safe to say that it wasn't with him at that point where he actually killed Dredgen. Well, either that or he was in a darkness zone. I guess it could have been darkness. Where Actually, they give us a... Um, they do give us a destination. I want to say it was at Dwindler's Ridge. Dwindler's uh, Ridge. Dwindler's was, Ridge, yeah. Well, Dwindler's Ridge was Shin Malfer and Dredgen. That yeah. killed Dredgen. Are you talking? Yeah, okay, that's, okay. What, no, that's okay, what I'm that's saying. What that's what you're saying. Okay. So, it, okay, fine. Dwindler's Ridge could have been a dark zone at that well, point. Well, at that point, Dredgen, I mean, Dredgen didn't have a ghost. He kicked it to the curb already. Okay. He, he did okay. that. Way, way before that, you know, and I mean, wow, we're not. No, we're not doing this. Damn it, Blue. No, we're not doing this. Let's move on. Um, Justin, you have a yeah. ghost fragment. Speaking, to do. speaking, actually speaking of ghosts, one of my favorite grimoire cards about ghosts is the um, ghost fragment ghosts it, because it's so damn cryptic. And uh, I'll let you kind of make your own assumptions, but. It's it's actually really intriguing. Uh, beyond, it is a place, a place casting shadows and emotion. It is a real place, I know. One hot blue sun, say, and other suns too. Five, I like seven better. What I'm recalling is a giant star with a family of six smaller suns. And you could spend days and nights counting all of the planets encircling those suns. Except that there are no planets, not anymore. The powers in charge have carved up all the worlds, and maybe a brown dwarf or two for good measure. With that rubble, they fashioned a topologically creative enclosure, a twisting of space and time sealed behind doors that admit only those who know the magic words. The bones of a, of a hundred planets have been cut smooth and laid out like a floor, a polished and lovely floor, creating vast living a floor bigger than 10,000 worlds, catching the fierce glory of the seven suns. For light, for food, for beauty. And nothing escapes. Not heat, not gravity, and not even the faintest proud sound. It could be anywhere. It can live in the cold between galaxies or folded up inside matter. 
near enough to touch right now. I remember it, and maybe it's exactly as I describe it. Seven suns wrapped inside magic, or something else entirely, perhaps. A place still fat with life, an abundance of sentient souls, some decent, maybe a few of lesser quality, and everybody stands about or floats about, or they bounce between dimensions. The point is that the residents of this hidden realm live inside a bottle so perfectly hidden that they can't see beyond their own borders, which shapes a mind in very specific ways. But beyond is their name for a mysterious, doubtful realm that they can't see, which is us, of course. Does anyone else just get the idea that this isn't this is describing the contents of the traveler? Like it's it's a hundred universes. Yeah, just bottled up all into one all into one ping pong ball yes i think it is there you go see, i found see i found something really interesting too like um so this this is often this is often made or explained as the you know potentially the inside of the the traveler and i'm looking the reason i'm kind of hesitating in my statements here is because i'm looking at something really interesting there there is an emblem that's called the alchemist cast emblem and i'll we'll talk about this a little bit later but the interesting thing about the alchemist cast is that it's very 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 similar to the banners that are hanging inside the speaker's chambers and there's a lot of interesting things about the speaker's chambers again we'll get on we'll get into that a little bit later but the interesting thing is the the emblems that are hanging on the speaker chamber walls have if you know the alchemist cast it's a it's a large sphere with what looks like cubes two two boxes that are kind of overlaid each other and then around the outside of the sphere are eight orbs now, the interesting thing about the comparison to the banners within the speaker's chambers is that instead of eight orbs, there are six orbs. So the two actually on the side are actually gone on the banners inside the speaker's chamber. The interesting thing about that is that when you go into the speaker's chambers, there is that huge holographic orrery that's kind of you know spinning all around and doing whatever it's doing. And... If you look, there are little holographic globes on pedestals that surround that machine. Well, there's six of them. So it, it's very, very connected in that way to to that emblem that's hanging, which is very similar to the Alchemist cast, which has a really interesting connection to Osiris that I'll get into later. But it's a, it's just... Whenever you start talking about, you know, the Dyson Sphere concept or the the Alchemist cast type things, there's there's a lot of interconnection that seems to be there that just it's just missing one little piece, and I don't have that piece, and it's really frustrating. So, but it, that's whenever I read this card, that's the first thing is I, that kind of comes to mind is that giant holographic orrery that's in the speaker's chambers. And then that obvious, that jumps to the alchemist cast emblem and all the other connections that I just mentioned. So 
yes, I think this, I think this fragment is talking about if, I mean, if it's not talking about what's inside the traveler in front of us in the game, it is talking about a Dyson sphere of some kind. I'm with you. I mean, it, 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 it explains a Dyson sphere. It also explains the inside of a TARDIS, but we're, we're definitely not going to touch about that because then I will go off on the Whovian connections within destiny. And I don't want to do that to anybody. So, but whenever you start talking about the folding of space and time upon itself, the only thing that I can think of is wait. So the traveler's bigger on the inside. (laughs) Yeah. It's almost seemingly infinite on the inside. Yeah. Kind of like a TARDIS, but but it's not a police box, which is the only thing that I'm disappointed about. It smells like vanilla. Yeah. I, yeah. Someone had a really good <laughs> rebuttal on Reddit when I said that. They said, no, it smells like salt. Uh, I was like, uh, touche, uh, sir. Touche. Yeah, <laughs> you have won yeah, this argument. So, so I, I was actually intrigued by one statement, and it, it was when it said, nothing can escape, not even gravity. I could see maybe saying sound or light would be trying to escape from this thing. I don't view gravity as trying to escape from anything unless it's a black uh yeah but even then it's it's i don't know that's 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 a little over my head and we have a couple people in chat who could probably do that do that justice a whole lot of justice but (laughs) those people are not us i just i was wondering i was uh and you know this just hit me right now so I'll have to to defer this to later, but I was wondering if that statement in and of itself might explain the traveler's um, hovering state mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's clearly it's clearly inside Earth's gravity, right? Um, and you know, yet, I- even in its weakened state, it's able to maintain a complete a completely zero point of inertia, just hovering perfectly in air, almost effortlessly. Mm-hmm. The other the other thing that's sticks out to me too is you know i i obviously have started building a pretty com like a pretty layered theory of what a guardian's like supernatural spiritual is and mm-hmm. kashin sent us that that big email um god i wish i i wish we had time tonight we might have time tonight to read it but it's it's a very 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 long email and it's very well put together of what her theory of the traveler is. And she, you know, she, she admits that she's not super fluent with lore, but still, it's still pretty good. The thing that sticks out for me from this card is the the statement that an abundance of sentient souls, some decent, maybe a few of lesser quality and everybody stands about or floats about, you know, and it goes on the, the idea of hers as the traveler, as a repository for souls from another race, that you know is this donating that animating power to others to help defend it that seems like it's kind of a nod here too is that maybe the light is connected spiritually to the uh the sentience piece of the spiritual power but this is something it is something different because it's it's doling out light but it's not doling out sentience that we know of. Like when we look at our guardian, our guardian doesn't remember prior to resurrection. 
or at least some of them don't. Some of the Thantonauts, you know, believe they do. But the, the, um, I don't know. I, it's just a, it's just an interesting thing that I thought kind of stuck out there is that, that abundance of sentient souls within whatever this, whatever this arc, I guess, as Pins is saying in chat, this arc would be, you know, I also picture it as like a Titan AE type thing, but it's, it's not, but it, that's what it reminds me of in some way. So maybe it's, it's almost like not maybe an arc, but maybe a library in the halo sort of sense of the word, a catalog of all the races that it is, that the traveler has uplifted. Yeah, that's yeah, oh, that's a good point. Like a catalog. Oh, yeah. I see where you're going with that one. Yeah, see, and this and the speaker would be like the librarian. There you go, pens. <laughs> I knew you'd like that one. So, yeah, I mean, um, there's there's a lot to unpack from that from that card. Well, let's. Uh, with all that being said, let's just move to dreams of Alpha Loopy. Because you know, like we were saying. There's a lot of assumption that Alpha Loopy is the Traveler. And, you know, for the most part, everyone kind of agrees that that's the case. There's a couple people who have different ideas with that. Um, some, people have, some people have said that Alpha Loopy is the speaker. Some people, you know, point to the supposed pre, the, the, the supposed well, story would, behind it. Wouldn't the speaker make more sense? No. Like think and how would it not make more sense? Think about it. Does the speaker it always bounce talks from about planet you. to planet? No, but do the all right? We're gonna do the dreams of Alpha Lupi. Everybody can make their assumptions after then. Correct. Yeah. And I believe I have the first card, which is Earth. Dreams of Alpha Lupi. The blaze sits inside a nest of little worlds. Still too distant to share its heat, but plainly staring out at you. A face emerges, drawn from plasmas and radiation. There must be meanings in its roar. You listen hard, carefully. It seems sometimes a lucid melody seems to rise out of random noise. Joy builds, and the first hope in agents transforms you. It seems important, even critical. To tell every star from here to the black that between galaxies, that you will be strong again. And then next we have Ghost Fragment, The Moon, which says, The best voices, voices that truly matter, never allow themselves to be heard. This lesson is worth learning again and again, forever. Your voice moves as a whisper, murmuring inside larger winds. Only the trusted few can absorb what is necessary. Wise and sly and perfect, your instructions drop, leaving nothing but the hard, sweet rhyme of enlightenment. The path is set. Your voice is unleashed. Ooh. So, that's actually pretty good. Do you want to pause or you want to keep going? Uh, I've got Jupiter. Yeah, let's go to Jupiter. Go ahead, Uh... The next Dreams of Alpha Lupi card, uh, Ghost Fragment Jupiter. 
Even the largest body lets itself be pushed where it needs to be, seduced into nice, warm, loving orbits. Persistence is the key. Sea floors transform and then yank themselves skyward, shattering the icy crust. New worlds awaken in the swirling depths. You build homes around this half-born sun, ripped by storms and supersonic winds. That that sounds a little bit like terraforming, though, doesn't it? On the Jupiter card. Yes. Oh, wait until uh, we get to Mars. A little bit. Well, that's what it seems like the traveler does. Somewhat. You know, terraform planet. Uh, yeah, I mean, it did not terraform. It's not always. It terraforms planets blue. Oh, terror! No, <laughs> I have some things to say about that too. But let's go. Let's read the rest of them before we get into that. <laughs> okay, darkness two was the next one, right? Yes. All right. It's still, of course, dreams of Afalupai. The universe is a beast. The body is made from tiny stuff, from near nothings. From atoms swimming through a blood of crackling sparks, simple, eternal laws shape the beast. The largest galaxy is ruled by the principles of mass and emotion. The electrons are slaves to charge and to chance. And this is why the universe feels inexhaustible. Eternal. No suns complains about its death. Life is the problem. Life can be woven from flesh or circuit or thoughtful light. Origins don't matter, but small, half-smart creatures have a fierce talent for denying the inevitable, for bulking and complaining about injustices that don't exist and consequences that should be borne in silence. Which, pretty interesting card. I, I, I really think the light and the dark are two sides of the same coin, but... We'll get to that later. Yes, Blue. we will. Yes. Um, so the next card is Ghost Fragment Mercury. And it says, One face is blistered, the other plunged into a brutal chill. Is this how it's always been? You remember hot oceans, nourishing, nourishing atmosphere. But something transpired, kicked what was wet and fertile into space, stealing away everything of value. Or perhaps what thrived here for a day, or for 10 million years, decided to leave, pulling its wet organics off the bones. And I think the next card up is Is Venus. Venus, go. You see history hidden between the barren rocks and within the high acid clouds. You see the ruin ready to claim its birthright. Sunlight starves. The fierceness chills and thins and runs sweet. A new ocean emerges, thick and salty and hot, from springs and geysers that drench the dead ground. You wonder, will this world's second birth be its finest? You have lived as invisibly as possible, flicking from solar system to solar system, making grand plans, overseeing the culturing of civilizations before leaving in a blink. You have no recollection of ever wanting to worship or even thanks from those blessed by you. But memory is heavy now. It feels like lead and neutronium and electroweak matter fashioned into moon-sized ball that you must carry as you move. Now your flight is rapid. 
Your vast mind infected with such dread and toxic doubt that you find yourself afraid of the simple act of drawing, of thought. And it is your children you must turn to now, in time of need. And then the next fragment is The Traveler 2, which says, This has been such a long chase. This will be the place you will fight. Fight and win. But do you really know why you go where you go and where this journey is taking you? The chase leads you where you need to be, you believe. Unless you're being pushed. Ah, so... Uh, Ghost Fragment Traveler 3, and the knife had a million blades, and you were a giant, powerful and swift, but the knife pinned you, cut your godly flesh away. Very little was left. You are sure because you feel insignificant now. The hard, slick heart of your soul, that is what remains. A body small as a river stone, and just as simple. You picture yourself as a piece of indigestible grit, a nameless nothing hiding among among other nameless stones. Perhaps you glitter like a gem. Yes, pride makes you hope so. If only you could see yourself, but you have no eyes. Not the dimmest sense survives. What lives is memory, and what slim portion of these thoughts can you trust? The knife stole much more than your body. And then we jump into Ghost Fragment Saturn. Ghost Fragment Saturn. A cold giant shows its night face to you. Distant moons slide past. Icy little comets enslaved by a splendid master. The lightning bolts and high clouds sweep away, and you burrow into a sea of liquid hydrogen that boils out of the long gash. You put yourself on the perfect trajectory, and for a fraction of an instant, you allow yourself the luxury of confidence. And then the final ghost fragment is ghost fragment Mars. And it says, life waits inside this world's bones. Your voice flows across the red rock and through the dead valleys, speaking in code and goads. Ancient volcanoes swell, exploding at their peaks and splitting wide along their shoulders. Ash clouds blacken the starved air. A fossil ocean of ice softens and collapses. Geysers erupt tall as mountains throwing up steam and clouds every moment matters and from a great distance in the midst of a thousand careful disasters you watch the transformation with your own eyes the rose has blossomed so those all being read all those ghost fragments comprise of a series called dreams of alpha loopy and, yeah, and no, go for oh, it. Oh, go ahead. Blue. No, 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 no. I was going to say, Alpha Lupi is most assuredly a third party observing the traveler in the darkness. Can we agree on that? Yeah, and I think that kind of points to the idea, the theory that our chat was talking about with maybe the speaker being the individual within the, exactly. the traveler. Um, that. But that, that I don't. Was my thoughts. I don't know if Alpha Loopy or Alpha Lupi is the speaker. No, right? I. Oh, go ahead. No, I mean it's just I. I don't know. I. I don't 
necessarily buy that. No, I was just saying so much of the symbolism has deals in uh, triumvirate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. The largest scale here, we have the Traveler. And we have the Darkness. Are we still, you still yeah. with me? Yeah. So you're thinking okay. that there should yep. be another potential. So I, I, yeah, I'm actually, there's another another point to the Tricorn, which I almost posit is Alpha Lupi, who is a, I kind is of view as a observer. neutral. Yeah, the Watcher. About, yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's how I view Alpha Lupi, but there's really not much to, there's not much to, uh, you know. Substantiate that. Uh, yeah, substantiate that. It's just a thought. No, and it would make sense. I mean, there is there is a repeated there is repeated nods to you know the triumvirate. You know, pretty much everything we've encountered has a hierarchy scheme of three. The fallen have hierarchy schemes of three. The vex. Trying to think of a Vex well, triumvirate, not really. A majority of video games in general isn't three the magic number. Like you played Sonic on Sega Genesis, mm-hmm. Hero Botnik three times, boss battle done. Um, pretty much every game, three is that magic number. Kind of like, uh, never mind. I could go there. <laughs> well, but I mean, it and three is much more powerful than you know. Just in video games, too, it's symbolic of you know. You know, numerology has a huge emphasis on three. Uh, there's there's a lot of belief around three as being a perfectly balanced number because two is representative of duality but duality always indicates that there's a conflict between the two sides whereas three would indicate that there's a perfect balance to be achieved and it's also the first prime number and then you know even even in you know ancient romans believe that three was an extremely holy number and there's there's a number of different things that there's a number of different cultures that believe in the three you know christianity has the three uh, you know, like I said, the Romans put huge emphasis on three. There's a lot of different, um, uh, not necessarily new age, but a lot of spiritual followings that put emphasis on three. You know, three is a very, very important number within, you know, you have things as far back as Pythagoras theorem has emphasis on three. Um, so three is a very, very important number, not just within video games, but also within the culture that we exist in too. Like in the real world, three is huge. Um, so to be, we go for it. Oh, no, I was just going to say the square root of three is fairly, uh, fairly significant as well. Mm -hmm. Um, when doing certain calculations regarding 360 degree objects, so, <laughs> yeah, do with that what you will. And I mean, and but like, so, so narrowing it back down into destiny, I mean, like, like Hollywood saying, you know, we have, you have three classes, you have three vanguards, you have three factions, you have, you know, the, um, the three other races. You technically have more than three factions. 
No, you have three factions factions within consensus. You have three powerful factions. You have three controlling factions, which then comprise of the set of civilians. Then you have the Vanguard and the Speaker. So you have. Well, when it comes to consensus, we don't have a lot of information, but we. it, It does seem that it's made of civilians and Vanguard alike. As well, well as well, you have you have the three factions: Dead Orbit, New Monarchy, and Future War Cult. You have the Vanguard, which is three, and then you have the Speaker. So there are the Vanguard, the three factions, and the Speaker that form the consensus. Um, and again, each of those fragments, except for the Speaker, can be broken out into three. And the consensus is also technically comprised of three as well. You have the speaker, you have the civ- the civilians, and then you have the guardians. Um, and yeah, you know, Manigzag in the chat points out three is also the most basic number for decision making. You can't have a tie. So I mean, there's there's a huge emphasis on the number three within the game. And so I mean, Justin, you're you're you have a really good point. We have the light, the darkness. And what? You know, there's the three queens, yeah. the the queen of the armies, the queen of towers, and the three the queen of law. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a good I yeah, it's a great point. Yeah, I think. But go to the three queens. It's mm-hmm. pretty obvious who the queen of armies would be. It would be the darkness, right. correct? The the queen of towers, the defensive uh, type. Strategy, that's obviously the Traveler. But then there would be a third party that would be the Queen of Law that could be Alpha Lupi. Right. Again, could be not a thing. Right. Not no, a confirmed yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. Um, but yeah, that's that That was a good point for me. Point one from Justin. that. Yes, great point I made. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh Jesus! <laughs> so before before we get uh, headlong into um, some of the the outlier stuff, I'm actually going to have to to um, bug off because I've got to be into work in just a few, and I just wanted to to throw a few basic shout outs out. If that's okay with you, you guys? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, yeah, sorry guys, I'm I'm working nights this week, and it's really screwing with my job that I like, which is doing this. Um, yeah, I just wanted to big shout out to the live chats tonight and every night. You guys are awesome. Way to go. Uh, all the lore band peeps, um, DOD Chatterwhite crew, and our official supporters, you are awesome. So thank you, everybody. Um, sorry I have to bow out early, guys. I think y'all can bring this one home. I've, I've I've gotten you pretty close. You can you can whip it in the driveway. I'm pretty sure. Fairly <laughs> sure. But thanks, guys. Sorry, I have to to run. No worries. We will we will catch you probably tomorrow. I oh, love you too, man. Back. Love you too. Editing. <laughs> See you guys later. So, <clears throat> really quick, the quote from Aya the Gate Lord. The the activity is while defeat of any champion of the dark is cause for celebration, be leery of the promises of the queen. 
The Awoken play both sides of this battle, and a debt to her is potentially ruinous. But if it gets you into the Black Garden, you have the city's full support. And that's a quote from the speaker. Now, what's interesting about that is, you know, kind of going off of what Justin was saying a little bit, is that there seems to be a a a conflict of plays between the three parties, right? And, you know, we're kind of in, in the live chat right now, we're kind of talking about there's three entities, there's three political entities and the big scheme too, that's going on is the city, the reef and the nine. Now, the other curious thing is why exactly does the speaker feel so, so annoyed or so distrustful of the queen? And it's actually because of an event that happened at the Battle of Twilight. No, no, the hang on, let me make sure I'm gonna say this correctly. It was a battle against Viliknix, the Forgotten Kell. And the this is all explained in Petrovinge grimoire card and i'm just going to read this because this is a letter from petra to marasov and it's it's basically a very explanation on a very good explanation on maybe the potential distrust that exists between the tower and the, the reef right now and it says my letter is a plea my lady a simple one please let me come home it has been years now since my appointment as your emissary once i was proud to call myself a corsair in your service my sisters and I were the sharp edge of your will, cutting across the stars in protection of the reef. It was your service that kept me from sorrow after Amethyst was raised. The loss of my sisters, my whole life as our station burned. It took something from me. But your will, it was given back to me. Promoting me to the Corsairs, allowing me to strike back at the wolves, letting my fury find purchase in defense, in support, and in glorious battle. I know, as I'm sure you did, that without focus my heart would have grown toxic. It was my pride in my position that sustained me through the Hidean campaign, that led me to victory in battle against Velenixus, the forgotten Kel, the last hope for the unchained wolves. I know now that it was my willful pride that brought me low. My lady, I offer again the only explanation I can. I did not know the guardians would act as they did. All I had known, all I had ever known, were the ways of the Awoken. The wolves were entrenched in that valley. The approaches were blocked, all sightlines covered. An assault on their position was madness. We would have spent precious Awoken lives for nothing. I saw the Guardians, knew they were on the move, but I assumed they saw the situation as we did. That it was folly to call in the crows. Prince Aldrin's fighter wing did a masterful job. The blast was pinpoint precise. The blast tore apart the wolves and the guardians and their ghosts. Three strike teams of guardians gone in an instant on my order. The city's anger, the speaker's condemnation, all earned, all fair. But it has been years since the reforce. The city, these people, they are not like us. They do not understand their place in the world, and they do not listen when I speak it. Please allow me to return home to my people to serve you once again. So the point here is that the animosity felt towards the reef from the tower and from the speaker is kind of, it kind of seems to stem from this one part. Um, It was a misunderstanding from Petra 
on exactly how the guardians did battle right the the guardians you know we all we often make fun of that fact that the guardians just are like oh, all right let's march into sudden or march into certain death we die we res we try again to the awoken to so to so imagine this imagine yourself in the shoes or the boots of a species that doesn't have a ghost right you know well from our point of view in real in the real world that approach doesn't make sense because we can't fathom the idea that you would willingly sacrifice your life because you don't understand that the ghosts can just resurrect them that they can just you know bring them back that doesn't make any sense and this is during and i was incorrect this was well it was kind of but it's not it's during the reforce but this entire situation just doesn't make sense to the awoken the awoken are very very you know straightforward logic in their way of doing battle and in just like any military campaign they weigh the cost against the 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 outcome and to to petra and to aldrin and to the awoken forces they were looking at a situation in which there was no way to walk into this firefight and and not die the problem is they were missing a key component of the guardian mindset which is the fact that we don't care we aren't we aren't able to quote unquote truly die as long as the ghost is still there and that's the important thing here you know I'd also be remiss not to point out that it's another point of three. Um, but the important thing here is that the blast not only killed the wolves, the go- the guardians, but also the ghosts. And as we know, the hive have figured out if you kill the ghost, you kill the guardian. Um, you know, people, we make fun of that fact with the fact that we are basically liches. We have a phylactery, which is the ghost. If Anybody who has had experience with any fantasy RPG setting understands that the way to destroy a lich is to not actually kill the body. It's actually to destroy the phylactery, which is the house of its soul, and its very essence and heart of power. That is what the ghost is to a guardian. It is a a seat of its, I hesitate to say immortality, but it kind of is our immortality. And so if you destroy the ghost you destroy the capacity to be re- to be resurrected which is what happened to Eris and which is presumably what happened to Toland and to Yor and so without the ghost the next death is the final death which is what Eris has said in the grimoire also that's the big problem right here is that not only did she wipe out the guardians and the wolves she wiped out their ghost that's the problem and that's the part where I think the misunderstanding here caused a rift and the condemnation of the speaker because they were in this as allies. And basically what Petra did was they she ordered a firing squad to take fire on her allies and they killed them permanently. And if these guardians were in the middle of a war of this nature, they were probably not inexperienced guardians. They were probably somewhat important people. And they're gone now because of a misunderstanding of the Awoken. I think she was a Corsair at this position at this point. So that's where that animosity in the speaker towards the reef, to me, 
seems to come from. And I'm not sure if everyone agrees with that. There might be something that I'm missing here, but that's where it usually can kind of comes from. So that being all said, that kind of also points to the fact that the traveler or not the traveler, but the speaker is also not only just playing a, a game of instructing and, and repairing the traveler, but he's also playing this or she's playing this game of politically holding the entire system, not really, I mean, kind of in balance with it. And so that takes us kind of to the next part, which is the outbound signal. And this is, <clears throat> this is a grimoire card that is, is a report. And this is from the dead orbit representative, Arak Jalal. And it's a report to Zavala and the speaker. And it says to answer your question. Yes. We can confirm the signal was received. I've enclosed our best guess for the targeted area of space. It's problematic because our tightest footprint still encompasses several light years worth of systems. It is worth noting, for what it's worth, that whoever received their signal lies within that sphere. All available deep space assets have been alerted and will continue to monitor the situation as best as we can. So... This is basically, you know, this was a card that was introduced in the Taken King, and predominantly we're pre-assumed that this is a cabal signal that's being sent out, and this is usually, that's where this is coming from. So what this is saying is that there was a signal sent, and it was received. Like, that's, and that's the thing is, so now they're they're not only going to be needing to be concerned about the equilibrium within our system, but also the potential threat of another outside stressor being introduced. And that's where a lot of people, you know, you know, a lot of people are looking forward to that, that downloadable content that's dropping later this year as being a potential cabal. It's, it's a possibility. Now, I don't, I'm not going to say one way or the other, whether or not that looks like it, but it's definitely a possibility. Um, and I'm just trying to think if there's any other significant grimoire on the, on the political side, you know, there's the factions card, which we kind of talked about a little bit before. And let me just read this real fast because this kind of, again, going back to the trial or the, God, I keep calling it that the speaker as a political, uh, fulcrum upon which a lot of the things balance it says the factions the quote that it's that the quote is on there is they've done more good than harm by most calculations and it goes on to say in the city's earliest day various factions vied for the hearts and minds of the refugee masses power struggles threatened to shatter an already tenuous existence the following conflicts known as the faction wars brought the city to its knees when the chaos grew intolerable, a gathering of guardians fought to end the conflict. The new peace brought a new order. The city consensus and the speaker ruled together. And the surviving great factions worked through civil channels to pursue their agendas. That order still holds, but as the city reaches out onto the frontier, the factions see new opportunities everywhere and a chance to win over guardians to their cause. So again... You know, we, we talked about the factions um, much earlier in uh, one of our earlier episodes in the Faction Wars, which was a very, 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 very big issue with the early city. Um, 
and again, the the, tra- the speaker and who speaks for the traveler, who you know controlled and not controls, but animates most of the guardian ranks, kind of came in and was like, okay, look, you guys need to calm down. You you're tearing apart the one thing that we're trying to build here. So you all need to stop, and you need to work together. You might not like each other, but you need to work together. And that's kind of how that happened. Is the consensus is a very uneasy truce between what's usually identified as the great factions, which again, those are, you know, future war cult, new monarchy and the dead orbit factions. Currently um, we know that there is the potential for the great factions to be replaced as was seen with Lysander and the Concordat, which was replaced by future war cult after new monarchy put them down and, you know, an interesting trivial fact on that is that's where Bannerfall, the Crucible map, if you if you run around on Bannerfall, you'll notice that one side is New Monarchy. The other side is the Concordat, uh, which is the, it looks, a lot of people call it the fist pushing down. That symbol seems to be the Concordant symbol. And so there was, there was a a growing descent among the factions and you know, the way that a lot of these, these factions seem to kind of put, they put their money where their mouth was in terms of that. And so instead of letting them tear the city apart that they were just building the speaker and the guardians and mainly the Vanguard came in and was like, okay, look, we're going to basically enforce a, not a martial law, but like a, a peace. You guys you guys are the great factions. You are the leaders of these factions. There are still numerous other factions out there, um, but you're the you're the, going to be the representative of the civilians. The vanguard is going to be the representative of the guardians, and then the speaker is obviously the representative of the traveler. They get together and they kind of decide on what they're going to do with the city. And so that's another <clears throat> another point of the speaker as a as a political, not only as a high priest but also as a as a political figurehead and let me see i don't think there's any other really political nods that i'm getting to and i think that's actually the majority of the grimoire cards there's a few there's a few other small nods to some of the quotes from the speaker but i'll get into that in just a second um you know some of the some of the what the the extra lore I guess you would call it is within this topic is you have the speaker mask which is a festival of the loss from last year and there's a quote on it that says in my travelers I have learned that speaking is much easier than listening and so there's a kind of a a little dig at the speaker from Finchurch uh, Everest so it's just a kind of a kind of a interesting there and then there's there's two quests that I kind of found interesting the first one is the quest that says our own story and basically this is the this is the point of reaching level 40 and then you have to go and talk to the speaker but the quote is you have achieved great things guardian but there is always more to accomplish and the interesting point that I have here is that the icon is an infinite loop, right? If you, if you know, it's, it's the sign of infinity and that is often ascribed to being a, you know, obviously an endless, endless cycle of growth. So 
it was just it's interesting to me that our own story is one of infinite infinite possibilities infinite growth infinite progression anything can be read through that symbol and so it was it was an interesting interesting tidbit there and then the other one is the chamber of night now the chamber of night has a very interesting quote that kind of ties back to the theory of mine about light and it says that like the speaker said everything is connected within the light and that's a that's a quote from our ghost and there's actually another connection from that ties into Ulantan's thesis about the darkness from Ikora on the grimoire card for Chamber of the Night. And it says, Your discovery is perhaps the greatest of our time. If the hive were able to infect the traveler through this long lost shard of its battered shell, Ulantan's theory may be true. All light remains connected across space and time. We cannot let our enemies use this power against us. So there's the there's the nod there about the light being somewhat of a uh it's kind of like a a nod to the first law of thermodynamics you know energy can't be created nor destroyed but it's all connected in some capacity and and the thing about that and yes um there's in the live chat right now of manic zags is a supposed impartial who looks at things from an overall perspective for the good of the race you know and yeah, at least that's what I thought until my eyes were opened. Yeah, the thing is, is like the speaker really does, you know, people rag on the speaker a lot. And I have, you know, I have, I have my own reservations about the speaker. I'm not going to say that I fully trust him or her or it. Uh, but the thing is, is you can't deny that the speaker has been put in a very, 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 very tough situation. Basically, they are humanity is on the brink of collapse, not the collapse, but collapse of a civilization. And the speaker's job has been to unify that race, which is not the best at sticking to each other's sides, even in the best of times. And the speaker has done a very admirable job of keeping everyone in line, whether that be through the, covert operation of maybe sending a, a respected guardian after another dissenter as we saw with the Saint 14 or the more open allegiance of the factions within the ending of the faction war we don't know or well we do know those those things but like the city doesn't know about the covert operations like we do through the grimoire cards and so you know a civilian in the city probably doesn't it's 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 tough it's because we know it's a weird perspective to take trying to see the speaker in the game world knowing what we know but also knowing that most people in the game world won't recognize that it's uh it's a very very tough spin on things and so when people say that they don't trust the speaker it's like yeah you know he's done a lot of these dubious things but the only reason that we know about these dubious things is because we're actually we're piercing the fourth wall and so that doesn't necessarily excuse the fact that he's doing the dubious things. But when we talk about people who have faith in the speaker, like the same 14s, um, a lot of people point out that that is, it's questionable. How, how can someone be so faithful? It's because they don't really know 
what we know. It's uh, it's a very interesting thing. You know, it it reminds me a lot of uh, Oni from Halo. You know, early on in Halo series, Oni was a very, very, very secretive organization, and the only way that we knew all the stuff that was going on with Oni is because, as a players, we were kind of exposed by a breaking of the fourth wall to the behind the scenes thing. So we knew immediately, don't trust Oni. But a lot of the characters in the universe didn't have any reason not to, and they trusted them. And as it turned out, you shouldn't have. Is that a indicator of what the speaker is? I don't know, but the the point is, is that he or she or it, the speaker, I have to keep trying to work on that, the speaker is basically been thrust, or maybe he took the position of leader, and yeah, bees. That's then live chat. That's correct. And any time when something collapses, a true leader shows up. And yeah, and sometimes that power is is corrupting. And there's 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 a there's a lot to be said about the power that corrupts. Um, but we don't know. And so until we get more information within the grimoire, we can't say for certain that the speaker is evil. There's a lot of reservations, just as the same as, you know, there's reservations about the manipulation of memories from the ghost, because we have a lot of theories about, you know, what that exactly can entail. So, but in, in, you know, the chat kind of, we, we, we bounce these ideas back and forth. And some of the really interesting theories of the chat was how, you know, how are the traveler and the speaker connected? And a really kind of cool theory, I don't I don't know, so we're going to kind of move away from the grimoire and what we do know into what we kind of think here. And so what we, what we really had an interesting theory on was what if the Traveler was a ship and the Speaker was actually the inhabitant of that ship, kind of like what Oryx and the Dreadnought, you know, like that. And there was a lot of a lot of points back into those dreams of Alpha Lupe, which we kind of already talked about, that kind of somewhat seemed to reinforce that idea. Um, and it would make sense with a lot of the dual duality that the game seems to, to hold. There's, there's a lot of pairings, which, you know, as Justin was saying earlier, before he had to take off that actually, it doesn't seem that there's a lot of pairings. There's actually a lot of, I don't know what you would call it, but there's, there's three points. So it, it would just be an interesting interesting theory if that if that actually was going to come true and then there was also the idea of exactly how to read the dreams of the alpha lupi cards um the order that we read them in tonight was actually stemmed from a an idea that i got oh i forget who i was chatting with on reddit but there is a it was a gentleman who is a i believe he was studying philosophy over in oxford over on reddit and he was talking about the nine actually and the nine how it connects to uh what's called vedic philosophy and vedic philosophy has a piece of it called the vedic numerology and it's interesting how well that actually corresponds with the dreams of alpha lupi card because in vedic numerology there is a order and it basically runs it it runs sun moon jupiter and then i can't remember what the word was 
that they use, but it basically what his, his theory was equated to darkness and then it went Mercury, Venus, and then the, the, uh, I'm blanking on the term, which is basically the equivalent of the light or the traveler and then Saturn, Mars. Now the, the only, the only hang up that we had when we were talking about this is that we don't have a sun gross fragment, but we do have an earth and there was no earth. So I just, you know, like, Hey, let's toss it in there. When you read these whole things in that order, um, it actually kind of makes sense. And there's there's a few snags, especially with the Traveler 3 Ghost Fragment, which was added after and was added kind of almost, it seems like, a conclusion of the fragments. But the uh, the overall the overall order of them actually kind of makes a lot of sense. And I'm trying to pull this up real quick. So I make sure that I can give this guy credit. Uh, Heisenberg X was, and he, he had posted over in the destiny, of the game subreddit, the nine in Vedic Hinduism. And the, the terminology was Rahu and Ketu. Now, Rahu is usually in... Rahu is equivalent with a killer and represents cruelty. Well, cruelty, which is, you know, the darkness. And Ketu says the nature of Ketu is to be mysterious. So, you know, the traveler. So, it was just a theory. Um, I know there's a couple different other theories about how you read those cards. And each one of them actually has its own benefits there's a lot of easy ways to fit these cards in with each other the other interesting thing about the cards here is that if you remember way 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 back when destiny started this whole project there was an an arg that was released released with actually the quotes from the dreams of alpha lupine now, there's an interesting tidbit here that a lot of people didn't quite catch. And actually, uh, there is a, a user, RGTGD, who's in our chat and who actually posted this over on the Destiny Lore chat or Destiny Lore subreddit. And there's a couple interesting differences within the, the vernacular used within the ARG and within the Grimoire card that we have now. And those those differences is on the moon, Mercury, Jupiter, Venus, Saturn, and Earth cards. And I will, you know, I will, I will actually put the link to his post in the show notes because it kind of can get very, it'll get very tedious. And if you don't have the Grimoire cards pulled up side by side, like basically on a podcast, this is not going to work because you have to, <coughs> excuse me, you have to actually look at the text. And he, he, and, uh, RG actually put in bold what the differences is differences are um there was a there was an interesting one in earth at the end it says uh it seems important even critical to tell every star from here to the black between the galaxies that you are strong again not that you will be strong again so it was there was a there's and they're and they're all kind of like that there's there's a few that have more text in the arg than it does in the grimoire and then there's some that have the grimoire actually has more text than in the arg so well like i said i'll, I'll put a link in the show notes for that so please be sure to check that out the only other really big thing that we that we touched on in the chat was 
the entire concept of the speaker, uh, the speaker's chambers specifically, the the ghost fragment ghost cards that we read, you know, the hologram has the seven planets and the suns. And so that's the, the idea that that ghost fragment ghost cards are the inside of the traveler. There, there is an interesting tidbit though, that there's an etching. There's two words that are etched at the bottom of this, the hologram generator. And there is a user Holtzman 42 pointed out in the destiny Lord on the, one of these destiny Lord chats that, the, it looks like ancient Greek. And he's he said that the first two characters, the first one are a capital Delta and a Sigma. And the last character in the other form of Sigma, the last character is the other form of Sigma used at the end of a word. The fourth character looks like an Upsilon, which can be a U or a Y. So we basically don't know what they say, but it looks like it's ancient Greek. And so have at it because I'm really curious about what that says. <clears throat> The uh, the other interesting thing about the speaker's chambers is the the to me what seems pretty obviously a connection between the speaker and the Osmium King. Um, you remember you'll remember back in verse one two and verse one four of the Books of Sorrow, the Osmium King was unhealthily obsessed with his royal orrery and ancient texts. And so much so that uh, Arash actually said that he didn't die from anything natural or anything physical, but actually died from the fear of the orrery. And that was in the scissorgy side, the scissorgy card completely butchered that word. So bear with me on that. And that's from verse one, four. And so it's, it's interesting to me because the speaker seems to spend the entire game in his chambers, staring at ancient texts and having a giant holographic orrery floating around his head. So it, it's an interesting connection, for me at least, to that whole aspect of the story. Um, as we had, and then, you know, as we had stated earlier with the, the Alchemist cast, the connection to Osiris that I had mentioned uh, uh, previously is through the number eight, which is which seems like an odd seems like an odd connection. However, the number eight is actually rather important because <clears throat> the number eight was often ascribed to a god of ancient Egypt who went by the name of Thoth, or Tau, I think is how you pronounce that. Not really sure on that one. But this was the individual who was the god of knowledge. Uh, this was, he was usually, usually portrayed as an ibis-headed man. And he actually has a very interesting relationship with Osiris in that Thoth was the, was the deity that it, if you know the myth of Osiris, Osiris was killed by his brother set and was butchered and cut into multiple pieces, depending on which, uh, which, which mythology you're going with, the number differs. What doesn't differ is the fact that the way he was brought back was his wife at the time, his sister wife, Isis, found the pieces of his body and then basically begged the gods to return him to life. And the gods gave her the knowledge of resurrection. The god who actually gave her that knowledge was Thoth. And the... uh, Thoth was the one who 
granted the knowledge of how to perform the resurrection spell to Isis, who then used it on Osiris. There's a really interesting theory that comes to mind here because kind of jokingly, we've started calling Osiris's ghost Isis. If that was the case, it would be interesting because that would almost kind of point to the traveler as Thoth. Because in the same way that the traveler gives the resurrection abilities to the ghost who then resurrects the guardian, Thoth gave the knowledge of resurrection to Isis who then resurrected Osiris. And so it's just, it's a, it's kind of a tangent theory that would be kind of an interesting little nod to Egyptian mythology. If that was the case, and I'm not saying that it is, or it isn't, but the, uh, it was just, it was just an interesting, really, really interesting connection. And I can't, can't, can't argue it. Uh, he also Thoth also as the God of knowledge plays the role of arbitrator within the mythology of Egypt. Uh, there are, there are, are at this at off the top of my head, there are three major battles between good and evil. And even though the theme of the battle was the same, there were, they were, they took place in different eras of the time. And the other common thing, other than the fact that it was good and evil was that Thoth represented order or represented kind of a, a neutral stance. Um, for instance, in the the battle between Horus and Set, uh, if well, actually, in, in all of them, um, if one of the gods who was battling the other for good or evil was seriously injured, Thoth would actually come in and heal that injured god to prevent either from overtaking the other. Because the the entire concept was again going back to that three as a perfect balance is that. A duality can be easily, easily, easily unbalanced. Having a three point, just like a stool, a third point is always going to bring balance more easily to the dichotomy there. And so that's kind of what Thoth's position was, was to bring balance between the, the the conflict between good and evil within those battles. And again, that all stems from the alchemist cast emblem, which has the eight spheres around the, the central sphere. But I think that's really, I mean, that was, that's pretty much predominantly the brunt of the conversation in the chat this week, this past week. Um, you'll notice that I have been talking by myself. Uh, Willie actually had to go cause he was, he's been fighting being sick. And so <clears throat> the medicine finally kind of caught up with him. And then Justin, you know, we, we know Justin had to go early to get into work. So with all that being said, I'm going to, I'm going to actually just give a couple shout outs of my own. Uh, Justin already kind of gave his, but I did want to thank a couple people. Uh, first off, we had a, a feedback on iTunes. We, we love getting feedback on iTunes because it, it really tells us, you know, what we're doing well, what we need to work on. If we need to work on anything, you know, specific, please, please let us know either through iTunes or like I said earlier in our, our email, but, um, I'm going to, I'm going to try to pronounce your name. Bronze, bronze VN 999 feedback. Uh, thank you so much. It really means a lot to us. Um, the other really big shout out that I want to give to you is to bees, bad knees. Um, 
he recently just kind of gave us some uh, support in in the middle of a stream out of nowhere. Uh, so I just really want to say thank you. You you made a night for me that was not a very good night. I was battling a three year old who did not want to go to sleep, and it was uh, it was actually one of those nights that I nearly just didn't come back. And so I'm, I'm glad that I did. Uh, so thank you again for doing that. <clears throat> the other, there are two announcements I do want to make. Um, those of you who are in the Dads of Destiny or in, who listen to the Dads of Destiny podcast will probably already know this. I have been asked to go with the Dads of Destiny as a representative to the E3 conference in June, which is going to be out in LA. Um, and it's going to be a week. So we're trying to figure out the schedule for that. Um, we're thinking what we're going to do is we're going to take a break from the podcast here and we're going to move it to the week after. Um, I think that's kind of where we're, we're leaning cause that will allow us to still have the chat and still collect the notes and, you know, still kind of give you guys the recap that we tried to give you. Um, that being said, that's kind of why in chat, I haven't been chatting very much lately is because I've been trying to get all my all my ducks in a row for that thing which just just officially got announced last this last weekend um on top of that we also have the guardians against humanity stream this weekend and i think we're going to be playing it on the dads of destiny twitch i'm not sure yet Um, i'm still working on the details for that so just keep pay attention to our twitter and i'll be sure to be sure to keep you guys all in the loop. Um, the last couple ones have been immensely fun. Uh, so, and I don't, I don't expect this one to be any different. There's a lot of, a lot of shenanigans that get, get thrown into the mix with that one. It is going to be a pretty mature stream as many of you who has ever played cards against humanity can, can attest to it gets pretty mature, pretty fast. Uh, so do just keep that in mind, but we will probably be playing Iron Banner on top of that, so there probably will be some some fun conversation or shouting, more accurately, going on as well. So with all that, um, I'm going to begin to wrap up the chat. So thank you again to all those over in our live chat for coming to spend the evening with us. If you'd like to join us, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. The links to all our sites can also be found with our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback, questions, or topics that you'd like to see us tackle in the new YouTube videos that we're in the process of putting together, the Lore 101 series, and Justin's Spinfoil Corner. We try to keep to the scheduled Wednesday night streams of the chat, starting at approximately 10 p.m. Central, but if we do have any variations, we always try to make sure to let everyone know through our Twitter account, at FocusFireChat. So, until next time, the lore band marches on. <laughs>